Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I am sans Daniel today, as I already mentioned to our guests who know Daniel well. They probably like Daniel better than me. There's actually no probably to it. Most people that know Daniel just are deferential to Daniel because he is so deferential. He's Canadian, so he's got that whole just likable, agreeable, fill-in-the-blank. He's Daniel. He's got this thing going on, and everybody loves him. Our guests today are the Ferguson brothers, uh, and I cannot describe you. Uh, This is Dave and John Ferguson, and you guys have written several books together, you um, founded a church together. You founded New Thing, uh, which is a church planting network. So we know each other primarily through church planting and Exponential. Uh, you actually wrote a book called Exponential, which is one of my favorite books, probably in the top 10 um, church books, I would say. And I read a lot of books. And I'm just here to tell you, if you have not read that book, please go back and read that book. Um, so most people will know you guys through New Thing Network and through uh, some of your books, but tell us a little bit about your church. Um, the other thing you forgot is we both love Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I think, brutal. You know, I would say Daniel is to you kind of what I am to Dave in terms of how you described him, likable, kind, the one that people really like. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, that's probably true. <laughs> Deferential. I think you forgot that part. Um, so I secretly purposefully did something uh, to you guys that uh, I'm now going to reveal to to those listening. I just, I made sure that you guys had to share earbuds so that you would, you would be uh, extra close. As brothers, I just wanted to try to create some, you know, potential conflict or, or have something going there. So I just have to be... Have to be honest, I th- that was my doing. Um, it worked. I I mean, we're literally like touching right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I could I could tell you whether or not Dave actually put on deodorant today, but I won't. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, so actually, right, do tell us a little bit about yourselves yes. and your church and and uh, like h- how that all started. Uh, wow, John was uh, what were you? How old were you, John? Twenty. 12. Yeah, 12. You were 23. 23. I was 25. We had a couple other friends right out of college, and we all moved back to Chicago. And basically, it was was just a handful of college friends uh, started this church. um, And our mission has been uh, to help people find their way back to God. And uh, God has been extraordinarily kind. Uh, It's grown almost every year and gone to multiple locations and got to plant a whole bunch of churches and yeah, it's kind of crazy. Here we are 30 years into it, and we're still doing it. That is amazing. But tell me a little bit more about how that, like, actually took place. Because I've heard you all tell the story multiple times, and it is in uh, it is in Exponential. But talk a little bit about that for people that um, may not have had that experience yet. Well, like Dave said, uh, you know, there were five, basically five friends who uh, uh, got it started. We, I, I think our initial meetings, we, we were meeting in central Illinois at a, at a restaurant called the Hen House. <laughs> and those do not exist anymore. The church does, but those restaurants do not. And, 
you know, uh, one of our friends was 21, I was 23, Dave was 25. So with all that vast amount of experience and knowledge and wisdom, uh, we actually crafted out our original vision uh, in an afternoon at that in-house restaurant. And I, it is kind of nuts, but that that vision is one we're still, we still communicate to the people here at Community and to New Thing. It's something we're continuing to live out. And it was really beginning to be, we wanted to be an impact church. That meant that we would be a church that would reach people who are far from God, but also be the kind of church that if, you know, something happened to it, it suddenly disappeared. Like people in the community would actually care and notice and, and say, hey, we were better when that church was here. Uh, we would be a reproducing church. You know, we thought that would be through church planting. We kind of had church planting in the blood. Our, our dad planted a church in the Chicagoland area when we were kids. Uh, eventually that was church planting and multi-site. You know, we're 10 locations, soon to be 11 in, in Chicagoland. Um, of course, we have a new thing, our church planting mission with 2,600 plus churches across the globe. And then if God would so bless, the third part of that vision was that we would be a catalyst for a movement. And uh, it's... Yeah, it, I mean, truthful, that that's a vision that we're still uh, trying to live out uh, to this very day. But it, it started uh, in that in that restaurant with just five of us kind of saying, okay, what, what would it look like if God did something like he could do? And, and that's sort of what we scratched out. So how has that, so you're still carrying forward that same vision. How has that morphed and changed as the church has grown, as you guys have grown as leaders and come through different life stages? What's that been like? I think probably in the uh, the second phase of what we talked about being a reproducing church, I think initially we thought of it all exclusively in terms of church planting. Um, but we ended up being on the front end of one of the early churches, you know, at least in North America, to go multi-site. And so that became one of the expressions we began to reproduce was through different locations. Uh, we didn't really, we didn't see that coming at all. That definitely was something that kind of morphed out of that original kind of threefold vision. Um, I think even New Thing, too. I think initially with New Thing, we talked about being a catalyst for a movement of reproducing churches. I think, again, we thought about kind of planting one church at a time, that kind of stuff. But what we find ourselves doing now through New Thing is actually um, like starting networks. Uh, and, uh, in fact, we're engaged in uh, what will be 44 countries by the end of this year. But we're starting to hold networks by identifying key kind of apostolic leaders. So... The vision has kind of has really kind of been a guide. It's been a great guide for us, but it definitely has kind of been morphed and tweaked along the way. That's very cool. All right, uh, I do want to get into our our five questions that I actually sent you before uh, before the podcast. If not, right. we'll just talk for all afternoon. Um, all right. So, has there ever been a point in time when you've said to yourself or to each other, "I'm done. I'm out." I can't work with my brother anymore. Did you say this week? Or was that- <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? <laughs> I thought you were kidding. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> Todd, we're family, of course. There's been multiple times when uh, we've kind of said to ourselves or to each other, uh, you know, I think I'm done. I can't work with my brother anymore. We lived together for, you know, 18 to 20 years growing up in the same home. We've been working together for 30 years. I think anybody that, that uh, is, is close to family at all knows there's going to be seasons where you feel that way for sure. Uh, and I, I think for me, though, uh, you know, I, I certainly would speak for Dave. I won't speak for Dave on this one, though. I, you know, I think that we, you have to realize there's no perfect teammate, right? And no perfect, uh, in this case, uh, you know, Dave being the lead pastor, 
Uh, he he was named lead pastor because he's two and a half years older, <laughs> slightly shorter, um, not, better looking, not quite as good looking. But anyway, <laughs> um, but the other thing is, you know, the truth is like wherever I go, I'm going to be there. I can't get away from myself. And uh, and I know I'm always going to have a teammate. I'm always going to have coworkers that I wish were different. And so, you know, it can be my brother who um, I can be pretty honest with and who knows me better than just about anybody else on the planet except my wife. Or it can be somebody else. And so... I think, sure, there are moments when it's like, oh, my goodness, we have been together forever. This is ridiculous. Maybe it's time to move on. Or, you know, I can and I can think about how things could be different with somebody else or on my good days. And I think most days, truthfully, the majority of days, I'm reminded of just of how good God has been to us and how grateful I am that I've been able to work with my brother for over 30 years and that God has done some pretty crazy good stuff in, in, in spite of us. So it, I was thinking about that question. I think for me, though, uh, I mean, we definitely fight. I mean, for sure. I mean, probably different. And it's different than with any other staff person. Um, I don't think I ever thought about not doing it, though. Or maybe I just figured you would just quit. <laughs> <laughs> I could wait him out. That is so comforting. He's weak. You know, Todd, there was a day when he would say, look, if you ever think about quitting, I am quitting, too. <laughs> Notice how that's changed. That that changed. Oh, I figured you'd quit. I'd keep doing it, but I figured you'd walk. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, I love conflict. I know that sounds really weird, but okay. I think conflict helps you move forward as a leader. Healthy conflict helps you, you know, move your team forward. Um, so what does what does that conflict look like uh, between the two of you and, um, you know, with your team or in front of your team? When is it? How does that how does that play out? Yeah, okay, that's that's a great question. There are times when it's played out in front of the team, and that's not pretty. Uh, but more often than not, I think it's you know we can be in the same room with a group of people, a team, and by the looks, glances, know you know what the other person is thinking, feeling, what they're about to say. And truthfully, we have to be careful about that too because that can be a little overwhelming, I think, for others on the team that are in the room. Or disempowering for them because right, they're going, oh, they're doing that thing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they already know what we're going to do, and they're pretending that this is a conversation and a dialogue about what we're going to do. Uh, but I think the conflict oftentimes looks more like, yeah, you get that look. We're going to talk about this later. And then and then we do. We'll go into another room, and we'll duke it out, um, raise our voices if that's what happens, uh, disagree. But I think what's always been good is I've always felt like Dave genuinely has my best interest and the mission's best interest at heart. And then we're going to walk out of that room and I don't have any question about his loyalty. Uh, so, I, you know, and, and truth is it's been that way for a long time. I think we, we fight much like we always did, but I don't think either one of us ever questioned the other's loyalty. No, that's, that's absolutely true. I think one of the things actually tactically we've done different over the last, I don't know, what, four or five years Um we, we actually kind of, so we have six people on our lead team and we, we, we employed kind of a new idea, which was what we call the two of six. So maybe different because we founded the church together. So anytime John and I both agree on something, we kind of have kind of the veto power of like, okay, if those two think that's what we're going to do, then we're going to do it. Um, and so I think um, in some ways that, that, that forces us to make sure we're on the same page. It's been, it's, I think it's been a good thing. That is good. All right. So how do you, how, how do you lead together? Like what, what does that look like? 
Well, I, it's, it's probably changed some, I think, you know, in 30 years for sure. But I think it, the truth is both of us tend to be visionaries who really do love the new next thing. That's, you know, I think giving community and new thing and other, uh, um, you know, missional opportunities have been a part of opportunity to grow and expand and, and start lots of great stuff. That's the good side. I think the downside of that at times we maybe haven't been as systematic or as operationally sound as we could be if one of us leaned a little more in that direction. How, on the other hand, I think both of us have enough of that ability to be administrative or operationally minded that we're not like head in the clouds, sort of like, you know, leading with vision. Uh, but I think the truth is we're, we're probably quite a bit alike in that regard. I, one way I thought about it is I, th I think Dave probably is more likely to spend some time by himself, get an idea, come to me and say, hey, this is what I think we need to do. And I would be more like get by myself, come up with four or five options, come to Dave and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. I'm not sure which one. Which one do you think we should do? So we, there's nuances that are different about how we lead, but – that's kind of how it looks. John, like John and I were talking about this over lunch. And um, one, of the, one of the things he reminded me, we had a consultant come in. This is early on when the church first started. And, uh, of course, we were a big, obviously part of the leading the whole church. But I think at that point in time, we'd attracted other people who were kind of like us as well. And so he came in, this consultant came in, and I think he did a, he did a disc test with us, you know, dominant influencer, steady, compliant, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the next day he came back and you could see him kind of shaking his head. And he tells us in the room, he said, um, well, here's the deal. I have never been in a place that had this many high D's and this many high I's. And he said, either this is going to be a movement blessed by God or this thing is totally going to implode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think we took that to heart. And so since then, we tried to, we did try to surround ourselves with other people who are more, at least on the, according to the disc, more S and S and I mean, S and C. And uh, even if you go with the APAS, people who are less on the apostolic um, and some of the other gifts as well. But we are, we are pretty similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. One, one of the books we've been reading recently is uh, Rocket Fuel. Yeah. Gino Wickman and Mark Winters and that, you know, they talk about how successful and sustainable entrepreneurial ventures have a, or need a visionary and an integrator. And so, you know, both Dave and I took, they have like the quizzes in there that you could self test to see what you really are. And, and, and again, in that, that assessment, both of us came out more on the visionary side than the integrator side. Not that we're exclusively that, or that you can be, you know, completely one without the other, but um, yeah, we, we tend to both kind of lead in that direction. And fortunately, you know, uh, community and new thing have been great places for us to experiment, try new things, and um, and really enjoy what what uh, what opportunities God's given us. So uh, you talked a little bit about how you lead together. How do you lead separately? When you think about the yeah, day to day, or when you think yeah. about the 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 life of the church, how do you guys lead separately? Uh, I would say, I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm more of a kind of a strategic relational leader. Uh, I think there have been times maybe in the past where uh, Dave's definitely like uh, on the, uh, he's, he's uh, on the strength finder. It's woo. Like woo is his number one strength. Um, my number one strength is competition. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, let's try that out. Um, but uh, I think there might have been times where uh, I'd have to come to Dave and say, hey, you know, Dave, I don't think they like your idea. <laughs> and Dave's like, 
what really? I thought it was awesome. And I thought they thought it was awesome. Uh, and so there's maybe a little bit of that in terms of how we're different, right. different. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Dave? Well, I think we also, there's some, some spaces that we also have uh, some freedom to kind of lead uh, separately too. I mean, so recently um, as a part of new thing, John has uh, helped us launch we have what was initially two different church plane networks in the Chicago area, and now it's grown to three, and we're getting ready to start a fourth network. And so, I mean, that's something that you have really kind of spearheaded. John's really spearheaded that on his own. I do have a little more freedom in kind of leading some of the things we're doing with New Thing, both nationally and internationally. And then with Exponential, um, alongside Todd Wilson, I mean, I have there's some places there. So we actually, we play it, both of us play in multiple kind of playgrounds and gives us, um, and probably communities, the one place where we're going like, okay, we really kind of have, we're, we're leading this as two of six uh, together here, but there's other places we get a chance to lead. You know, we're actually going to record another podcast where I ask you the exact same questions about Todd Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so. That would be funny. Have you ever said to that yourself. That would be very funny. <laughs> <laughs> How do you lead together? How do you? Sorry, uh, I just like. Well, he lives other. in DC. I live in Chicago. That that's, makes it work. That's, that makes it work. <laughs> all right, so fun. Uh, all right, so uh, let's uh, let's continue to kind of flesh that out because how do you, okay, so you talk about how you lead together, how you lead separately. Um, how do you separate ministry and family or or do you? You know, I don't, I don't know that we've really done that. It's, it's interesting you ask that. I, what you might not know, Todd, is uh, our parents are actually on staff too. I did not know that. Yes. Um, my, my dad, our dad has been a location or community campus pastor at one of our locations now for, I think, like 15 years. It's a senior uh, gated golf community. Act, active adults, yeah. And uh, complete, uh, he's a total pastor evangelist and uh, really cool to see, you know, folks well into their eighties make a commitment to follow Jesus for the first time. Anyway. So it's not just Dave and me, it's actually, um, our parents too, but, uh, you know, Dave and I, uh, you know, we work up, we, we, we uh, grew up working together. We've really never stopped working together. I, I think though, in terms of separation, I think our, first, our first gig was a D and J lawn service. <laughs> again, notice the T before the J. Oh, <laughs> this is brutal. It's coming up again and, and again. <laughs> Come on. All right. Anyway, uh, I think uh, maybe the hardest part about working together, though, is, you know, in some family situations, you if you're not together all the time, almost like we are so frequently or so consistently, you go away and then you spend extended time together. All right. Like if your brother lives in Columbus, Ohio, you go there, you spend a couple of days and you've got all that relational time. I think because we're working together so frequently, yeah, you know, truthfully, in some ways, uh, there are times I think when the friendship doesn't really uh, always get maybe what it what it might in another context because we just kind of take it for granted because we're together so much in the work environment. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that that's kind of how it strikes me. What what would you say? I don't know. I mean, it, it's a weird it's a weird question to us because in some ways we don't know any different, right? I mean, like, I mean, well, growing up, growing up as pastors, kids, even growing up together, when we have starting a room together, like. Yeah, like, I was like four and John was two. We had like shared a trundle bed. We, we, had, a, we had a trundle bed. <laughs> you know those things? <laughs> well, bunk bed before that, actually. Yeah. And we were even roommates in college for a while, that, which is crazy. Yes. <laughs> Does this all sound very weird? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, 
because having <laughs> known you yes. guys, yes, that was a yes. Yes. I think Daniel. it. Daniel's Daniel is nicer. Daniel, Daniel is nicer. Where is Daniel? No, uh, it doesn't sound weird to me. Just having known you guys and followed you guys even before um, coming to Lifeway and meeting you, just just knowing about what you guys were doing. I was in DC, uh, and. Uh, you know, it doesn't sound that it doesn't sound that weird to me. What's weird is more on the side of when people think about you know a healthy organization and they hear things like nepotism and they go, oh, you know, I would never want to be in a church where, I, you know, there were multiple family members working in the church. Um, I have worked in both styles of churches, and mo- in, in many cases, I've actually, you know, hired um, couples, uh, hired people that were brothers and, and things like that, because when it, when it's healthy, it's amazing. Uh, when it's healthy, it's obvious, and when it's unhealthy, it's pretty obvious. So I think we're, we get into a dangerous place where we make hard and fast rules. Um, so for people who have had, you know, maybe um, a bad experience um, where there was, you know, multiple family members working in the same church or, or even in the same business, there's a lot of business leaders that listen to this. Um, I would say, you know, some of the best businesses and some of the best churches I've ever been a part of had family members that were there. I mean, because life, when you do, in my opinion, when you do it right— Life is ministry and ministry is life. And a lot of us, a lot of guys that, you know, went to seminary with got shot out of the saddle because they tried to compartmentalize their life or they tried to have quote unquote boundaries and that didn't work out well. And, and I think, I don't know, I'd be curious what John thinks on this, but I, I mean, it totally works for us, but I don't think we've ever recommended it. Like, oh yeah, you should totally go do something with your brother or with your dad or with some family. I don't think we would necessarily recommend it. But it does work. No, yeah, it, it does. It does work. Has worked clearly. Uh, and there's been times when people have asked me. I think you know. Okay, I'm thinking about doing with my brother. Should I? And then, you know, it, I, I kind of go back to what I said earlier, where you really need to think about who that person is individually, because you're always going to work with somebody or for somebody. Is your brother the kind of person you want to work with or for? If not, the answer is no. If yes, then it could be awesome. So. What's the main point of emphasis that that you guys have right now within New Thing and Community Christian? Like, answer those uh, separately. Uh, Yeah, great question. Uh, I mean, I'm part of the lead team. Dave talked about that, how we kind of play two of six on our lead team. There's six folks that are on that. Uh, Part of our teaching team helped develop the teaching content across our locations. About nine years ago, my wife and our two kids, we moved into the city. We were in the suburbs. We have had most of our locations in the suburbs of Chicago always kind of felt like we needed to be in the city at some point. Uh, my wife, Lisa and I always sort of had an affinity for the city and Dave and I talked about this off and on for a while. And finally I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. I'd love to move into the city, see if we can start some locations there. And then also come along some of the good stuff that's already happening in the city through nonprofits and other church planning organizations. See if we can't create some networks of uh, multiplying church plants in the city. And so that, that's probably the most significant change. So I actually live in Lincoln Park on the north side of Chicago. Dave's in Naperville. And so I've been focusing a lot of my efforts more on on the city probably for the last nine years. And uh, really cool to see God doing some uh, just amazing stuff, multi-ethnic, multi 
denominational, multi-contextual, whatever multi you want to throw in there, uh, church planning networks that are, are really doing some cool stuff in this city. I still am involved with new thing too. Uh, we also started this thing called uh, Community Freedom. Super excited about that. It's a partnership with New Thing. Explain what that is. Yeah, it's a partnership with New Thing Community and Alpha, actually, to start oh, new like churches Alpha. inside the walls of prisons, help uh, people that are incarcerated find their way back to God, and then also provide a sustainable reentry once they leave, which... Uh, you know, if you know anything about the prison system in the country, man, oh man, my eyes have been opened the last couple of years. There's just such a tremendous need there. And God's opened up some really cool doors to start churches uh, in prisons. Um, and, you know, truth is we're, we, we more and more see our locations actually, uh, not only in Chicago and in, in the city, but also in the suburbs, of course, too, as being launching pads for new locations and churches. I think that's, you know, where we, where we see things going next for, for community for sure. And, also, uh, leadership residents want to train more and more leadership residents. Every location, we want to have at least one leadership resident. Shameless plug, commercial, if you'd love to land a residency at Community. A church planning residency. Church planning residency. Go to communitychristian.org slash residency. Communitychristian.org slash residency. So we'll that's just a few we'll of the things. We'll include that in the show notes, as they say on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we can include that in the show notes. <laughs> Ty, do you say that in your podcast? Also? I do. It's in the show notes. It's, it's in the show notes. We have show notes, don't we? We, are, we always have show notes. Usually our show notes are full of books as well. And this one especially because <laughs> we've already mentioned three. That's good. Um, maybe on the new things side too, just give a little people a little update on that. Um, it's, it's one of those things where we really feel like, I mean, God has been super kind to us um, over the last... Um, Oh, uh, three years, we've doubled the number, more than doubled the number of networks. We now have 155 networks and 2,600 churches are committed to reproducing. And those churches have planted uh, over 1,600 churches. So we just got back from London. We had, we, every other year we do a global kind of huddle with all of our global leaders. And we had about 45 of our global leaders there. And it was, I mean, it was so cool. I mean, afterwards, one night in, you know, pub, we're just all hanging out and you got the guys from the Philippines hanging out with the dudes from Africa and the people from, you know, Asia there with the people from Europe and the, and the Americans with the, you know, South America. It, it was just this whole mosaic of church planting leaders. And uh, we're praying and asking God for 10,000 uh, church plants and also 10,000 reproducing churches. So we're going to, we're going to go after that. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Anybody's interested in new thing too. I mean, tell them new thing.org, new thing.org. So has that vision of helping people find their way back to God, is that part of the DNA that you would say is in, is in all the churches within the network? Is that at least a core value of all the churches in the network? Um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't all necessarily word it that way, but absolutely. And I mean, and candidly, I think that's our impetus. I mean, um, that's why we love what we're doing at community. That's why we love multi-site. That's why we love church planning because it helps more and more people find their way back to God. And when that happens, the people become Christ followers. We feel like that's the key leverage point for changing a person, changing a family, changing a neighborhood, changing a country. Um, it just, that feels like the best thing we could possibly trade our lives for. So that's why it's pretty easy to get up every morning, and go to work. <laughs> so uh, a lot of our listeners um, are very familiar with the pipeline conference we do and pipeline coaching days and stuff like that. And of course, you've got 
uh, Ramshiran Leadership Pipeline is, is a business book, which we, again, talked about on the podcast. I'm a big Noel Tichy fan, um, mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, there's a bunch of other things that kind of go into the amalgamation of what we would call pipeline. But one of the things I've always appreciated about you guys uh, is, and some of some of our friends down here in the, the sa- southern part of the country may not be as familiar with you, but what I want to help them understand is when you're helping people find their way back to God, you're not just leaving them there. You're not treating baptism like it's the finish line. Um, talk a little bit about what a pipeline looks like at uh, at your church. And then also like just, you know, maybe give a story or two of somebody who's sure. found their way to God, maybe not back, but who's yeah. found, who's found their way to God. And then is now a campus pastor because I know there's more than one of those at your church. So I just want sure. people to understand, Hey, this is a theory. This isn't something that, you know, is, is something that we think could happen or we want to, spur people on. This isn't aspirational. This has been actualized in, in in your church. So I want people to understand that. So yeah. now we're fighting over who gets to answer first. <laughs> That's the question we love. <laughs> Enough of this brother talk. Let's talk about finding the way back to God. What, I mean, one of the one of the stories that immediately comes to mind is uh, you know a, a guy we both you, you know too, Todd is, is Patrick O'Connell. Patrick is now is currently our uh, the global director for new things, so he's the one who's giving kind of direction to what's going on with all twenty six hundred churches around the world. But his story goes back about eleven years ago. It was eleven years ago when he actually came to one of our locations, and part of the reason he started coming was because his wife had been invited by a neighbor to community. They both, both of them were um, probably agnostic at best. Um, but his, his, his wife started coming at an invitation of a friend. She began, got, began to really investigate who's this person, Jesus. She decided she wanted to say yes to becoming a Christ follower, was going to get baptized. So she asked Patrick, hey, just come be supportive. I know you're not into this stuff. Just come be supportive. I want you to see me get baptized. And of course, he didn't want to be in the doghouse. He's going to be a good husband. So he shows up at church just to see her get baptized and something begins to kind of uh, click inside of him. And he begins this kind of full out and if you full on kind of search, and if you know, Patrick, a really bright guy <laughs> and uh, he's like, is this Jesus all that these people are saying he is? And he takes the next step and gets involved in a small group and still investigating, investigating. And finally he comes to the place where you're going like, Nope, Jesus is who he said he was. He says, yes, to Jesus. And then the, the way we do it, he got baptized. He actually was baptized by his small group leader. Um, and actually, as he's coming up out of the baptistry, you know, Patrick's still wet. Uh, his small group leader says to him, you know what, Patrick, I think you'd be a great small group leader. Will you be my apprentice? And so immediately, I mean, still T-shirt ringing wet from the waters of baptism, he says yes to be an apprentice in a small group. Before long, within a year, he's leading that small group. He's reproducing that small group. He starts coaching small group, other small group leaders, probably within two years of actually becoming a believer. Um, you guys, you know Troy McMahon, right, in Kansas yeah. City? And so Troy is getting ready to go to Kansas City to start this new church. And Troy taps Patrick on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm going to go to Kansas City. I'd love to have you, you know, come out there and join me. And Patrick's working in wealth management. And so I still remember Patrick 
running to Patrick at a Starbucks and he's telling me, dude, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sell my house. I'm quitting my job. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out to Kansas city and help start this church. And for honest to goodness, it was one of those times for me. I was going, Oh crap. We've gone too far. (laughs) (laughs) We've messed this guy's life up. He's actually buying what we're selling. Right. But he did. And he he actually raised his own support, went out there, was a part of their team. And they went to multiple locations. That church has now started 40, 40 some odd churches. churches. And, um, then when we needed someone to be the global director for new things, because it kept growing so fast, I got a hold of Troy and Troy's like, yeah, Patrick would be awesome. And so then Patrick moved back to Chicago. So basically in about a decade, you have a guy who went through that whole, you know, we call it a leadership path, the same thing, leadership pipeline. He went through the whole leadership path um, of, you know, not even a believer, the place where he's given direction, not only to movement, not only network leaders, but movement leaders all around the world, which is it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple stories. I I couldn't help but think of Chris. Chris is a guy who actually showed up at our uh, Lincoln Park location in the city on the first Sunday it started. And we gave one of those challenges that sometimes church planners do on the first Sunday. Hey, don't judge this church by one Sunday. Make a commitment to be here for the next four or five throughout the rest of the series. And Rarely do people actually take you up on that, but Chris actually did. They committed to come back for five Sundays in a row and has been there ever since. Uh, eventually uh, gave his life to Christ. Uh, and when we talk about people becoming 3C Christ followers, where they are celebrating, connecting, and contributing. Celebrating is about deepening your relationship with God. Connecting is about deepening your relationship with other Christ followers. And then contributing is about deepening your relationship with the world as you're giving back your time, your talents, and your resources. And so Chris became what we call a 3C Christ follower eventually became an apprentice in a small group, began leading a small group himself, multiplied that group. And just a few weeks ago, Chris came on staff at that location as our director of adult ministries. And, you know, Chris is one of these guys that, you know, was on the fast track in terms of the corporate world and was VP of operations for a major um, uh, shopping mall uh, corporation. But as he says, you know, I was pursuing the American dream and found out that wasn't the real dream. And now I'm pursuing the dream that God has for me. And so it's just another great story of how people, you know, they actually do. They find their way back to God. They grow in their relationship with Christ and eventually are released to do ministry. Some eventually even come on staff and multiply themselves by leading ministries and our churches themselves. And really, I mean, three of, I think three of the other four people on our lead team came up through the leadership path and two of them um, really wouldn't have called themselves committed Christ followers at all. It's right. really, it's a community they really, really came to know Jesus. Yeah, we love that stuff. Yeah, thanks so, for asking that question. Yeah. Keep it up. Okay, so how do you how do you continue to cultivate that and embed that in your culture? What does that look like? What what I mean, you know, Shine would say it's what you celebrate, measure, and control. I mean, you know, if we look at what curates culture, um, what are some of those things that that you do to to make sure that that remains solid as, as you've grown. One of the things that people struggle with is maintaining that core culture that helped you grow to the place that you are. And, you know, you guys have grown because you've grown your people. If you want to grow your church, you got to grow your people. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to know for our listeners, how do you, how do you do that? And how do you continue to make sure that that, um, remains solid? I, I think one of the things that we have always bought into and continue to buy into is that you will reproduce who you are. You're going to reproduce who you are. So I, I try to coach 
even when, even as I'm working with people who are not just leading a large church or a multi-site church, but are thinking about launching a whole network, here's what I tell them to always do. Since you are the primary culture creator, you need to lead at the smallest organizational level and then also at the highest level of your capacity. So at the smallest level of, of the organization, but also at the highest level of your capacity and skip everything in between. So for example, John and I both lead a small group. Even and, though, and we have an, uh, an apprentice that we're developing almost, almost without exception. We always have someone that we're actually meeting with one-on-one, developing, discipling as an apprentice and in the same way that we expect that from any other small group leader at community. So, and, the, I mean, so when, we're have, so when we're in all staff meetings or in a leadership community or even on, on a weekend, we have not stories from 10 years ago or back in the day, but here's the, here's the apprentice leader I am developing, working with right now. And so, and, and as you know, I mean, those stories, those narratives, that's what helps create culture. And I think Absolutely. adds integrity to the culture. But, so I encourage leaders, you need to lead at the smallest organizational level because it's good for you, but it's also good for you to be able to tell the stories and then skip all everything in between and lead your highest level of capacity. I think you combine those stories with some real simple systems that make this stuff possible. And I think it's a, I think it's a, a great combination. And so, you know, we often talk about these five steps of apprenticeship and we encourage people to walk through that. We're walking through that with our apprentice leaders our, ourselves. I do you watch, we talk, I do you help, we talk, you do, I help, we talk, you do, I watch, we talk. I mean, right, it's, right. it's stuff that people, you know, have heard over and over again. And sometimes when we present that, you get these looks on people's face, kind of get glazed over. Like, you're not going to tell us those five steps again. I've heard that millions of times. You stole right. that from somebody else. Of course we did. But I don't care if you know <laughs> what the question is. Are you actually doing it? That's exactly right. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? Uh, it turns out, no, we, I just know it. <laughs> we call that the triangles. And all we did was added a visual framework to it. And I can't remember the educational person that, you know, actually came up with it. It's referenced wherever we write it down. But um, the interesting thing is, you know, that is something that, especially if you're saying, hey, we're modeling this for you. We're giving you a visual framework. But this is really simple. We want you to repeat this. And the beautiful thing about that is it scalable all the way up and down your pipeline, whether it's setting up chairs or it's being a campus pastor? It's, oh, and even it's beyond scalable. that, because, I mean, like, if you took a look at what we're doing with New Thing, we basically took everything that we learned about reproducing small groups, and we just began to apply it towards churches. And so we have, I mean, our networks are basically small groups of churches, and our movements, our, our movement leaders are like coaches who work with these networks. So, and that whole, I mean, so it's scalable even beyond that. Yeah. I mean, everything that it takes to multiply a small group on a different scale is what it takes to multiply a church. You need a leader, you need a place, you need a host, you need a vision, you need a plan. I mean, it's, it is remarkable how you can continue to refer to people's experience in the micro to help them understand the macro. So, okay. How have you, you know, churches like any other organization drift toward complexity. They don't drift toward simplicity. How do you keep things simple. How do you edit? Okay. I mean, how do you edit what the church does in order to make sure that the main thing stays the main thing? Well, I mean, one is, um, I mean, our mission has stayed the same since almost the very beginning, helping people find their way back to God. And you just, I mean, what happens for a lot of us, particularly us who are maybe more apostolic or entrepreneurial, I mean, you kind of get tired of the old, you cannot get tired of it. You have to keep saying the same things over and over and over and over and again and challenging people to live into them. 
a corollary to that for us, though we talk about it, is we des- we describe discipleship as a three C Christ follower, and we said, hey, you need to continue to grow in celebration, which is your relationship with God. Continue to grow deeper in your relationship with other people in this church. That's connect, and continue to grow in making a difference in the world. That's contribute. And if you just keep growing deeper and deeper into those things, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think sometimes, you know, you know, we go to Bible cons, we go to seminary, those kind of things. And we think if we make things sound complicated, then that makes us smart and we're helping other people out in some weird way. No, it just <laughs> means people won't remember it. <laughs> and so we don't, we don't apologize. We work really, really hard at trying to make those things accessible. Uh, I mean, and the truth is, we're not really that smart. And so <laughs> if we don't keep it simple, we will never remember it. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, well, I do want to encourage people, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, a couple of years ago, um, when Finding Your Way Back to God came out, I tweeted through that book. So I basically went through and, you know, anything that was, uh, uh, you know, tweetable, a tweetable quote or something that really moved me, um, I, I wrote it down. So I was doing that and I can't remember what motivated me to to do this particular book. But because I was thinking, oh, this isn't for me. I'm a pastor. You know, why do I need to find my way back to God? But I want to tell you, it was so challenging for me um, during the course of that read. It really was because it... it um, it, it was, uh, you know, one of the two or three times that year that it was just like, okay, wow, um, you know, this is a spiritual marker or this is a, a milestone of the year where um, I'm getting, you know, either more connected, reconnected. Um, I don't know how you would say it, but it's not when somebody hears that title, they may think, oh, you know, here's... <laughs> It, it, it's not for me, but I just want to encourage anybody, no matter where they are in their, their journey, that particular book. It's not your, you've got Hero Maker, you've got Exponential, which is a great book for leaders in particular, but anybody listening, pastor or no, Finding Your Way Back to God is a great book. So I just wanted to kind of we, plug we, that. Thank you for that, Todd, very much. And also thanks for kind of your encouragement along the way on that. But And we do, we tell people every week, hey, you might be finding your way back to God for the first time or yet again. And in, and in more complicated theological terms, what it really is, there's like initial sanctification the first time, and there's also progressive sanctification. And so you might be finding your way back for the first time, or you might be finding your way back, you know, after screwing up things this week and going, okay, I need to, I got to reconnect with God. And those five awakenings, yeah, they serve you that way. And sometimes we like to say, you know, finding your way back to God is certainly a life-changing moment, but it's also a life-growing process that uh, we live you know, quite honestly, day in and day out. And uh, yeah, it's kind of what makes our heartbeats fast. Before we get to our next question, uh, I just want to make sure that we have a word from our sponsor. You've probably heard about the movie Overcomer, but you may not know that there are a few books and Bible studies inspired by the film. One is called The Fine by Alex Kendrick and Stephen Kendrick, which is a book and Bible study based on insights from the book of Ephesians. You can find these books and Bible studies at lifeway.com slash overcomer. Okay, so uh, last question here. Where do people find out more about New Thing and the network? Yep. If you want to find out more about New Thing, um, one place is our website, newthing.org. I'll tell you what, I'll do something a little different. If there's somebody out there that's going and they're a church planter, 
And they're going like, man, I would love to be connected with a group of people that are serious about multiplying and reproducing new churches. Or if you're someone who's leading a larger work and you're going, man, I think, I think we could start a network in our region. Just email me. Um, my email is Dave Ferguson at communitychristian.org. Dave Ferguson at communitychristian.org. Yes, and please email at Dave Ferguson <laughs> at Please email at Dave. For, as a matter of fact, post that on billboards. Um, you know, post it online anywhere you want. Dave would love to give it as many emails as he possibly could get. Oh, that's so yes, good. Yes, I would if you want to plant churches. All right. Well, I, I just want to uh, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Uh, Dave, you've been on the podcast before. You're not allowed to come back unless John is with you. Um, Understood. It's been it's been a lot of fun. So thank you guys for uh, just being open uh, with uh, with us about your relationship with each other, your relationship with God, and just what God is doing there at your church. It's just uh, a blessing for all of us who who get to hear about it. So thanks so much, and and thank you, Todd, for all that you're doing for the for the kingdom and helping uh, leaders and pastors uh, just do what they do even better. We we are big fans and, and really appreciate you and, and uh, what you contribute. Yeah, thank thanks. You.